This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And a big shout out to one of our special podcast partners, Dex.com. They wear receipt bank. They've been through a great rebound. There's a lot of great stuff going on there, Martin, isn't there, at Dex? You know what, Rob? I always speak to accounting firms about having a strong, uh, clearly articulated value proposition really early on in their messaging. You know, as soon as you see that firm, it tells you something. When I go to Dex.com, that's D-E-X-T.com, it says right in front of me, we make accountants and bookkeepers and the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights. Those three alliterative P's there, productive, profitable, and powerful. What a great, clear value proposition. So, as accounting practitioners listening to this, if you're looking to make your firm more productive, profitable, and powerful, not just for you, but for the businesses you advise, go to dext.com, that's D-E-X-T, dot com and start a free trial or book a demo love that dex gives you more time and better data to advise on your clients businesses so your accountants get over to dex.com thank you it's time for the prices right we're continuing with our series on these bonus shows of presenting you accounting practitioners with all the challenges in pricing we constantly hear martin don't we that it's a, it's an issue for accountants in charging what they're worth and then we're starting to give them some solutions but yeah it is a challenge for them isn't it yeah, I was on stage, uh, wow, 24 hours ago in a foreign country, uh, Rob, and it, ca- it came out. It came out from the audience. You know, the price is being squeezed on tax and audit work. The price is being squeezed on compliance work. And this is coming from eight-figure practices, by the way. Eight-figure practices are feeling the squeeze because they don't add any value to a very basic service. Yeah, so this week we are looking at establishing the bottom line. So what's this all about? Well, despite the scarcity mentality that was baked into you guys during your training, <laughs> and you became qualified, newsflash, not all new business is good business. Not everything that knocks on your door is something you should take on. Not everything that wanders across your desk is a client you should acquire. In fact, if I may be so bold, it's pathetic to see managing partners of seven and eight figure firms still justifying them servicing 700, 800, 900 euro dollar pound clients because it's a, oh, it's a family friend. And it's, oh, they've been with us for such a long time. Oh, they're going to get bigger and we'll grow with them and we'll be able to charge them more down the line. We're in at the beginning here. First, we have an advantage, you know. And of course, it is an exception. We won't be always like this. It is an exception. Who was it that said the biggest lie you tell is the one to yourself? It, it is that, isn't it? But they're on the money, yeah. Self-delusion. Arbinger Institute. Yeah, leadership and self-delusion. Um, but the point is, guys, is that those exceptions form entire client rosters in some firms. An entire portfolio made up of exceptions, just this once's, and very low profitability jobs because it was a family friend. Okay, so... So on that basis, that's pathetic to see that, okay? Because these are generally uh, legacy clients as well that have always been with the firm and they are losing you new money, okay? So I'm going to ask you now to get the price right by establishing a baseline, okay? to what should always be the case. And it could be a baseline for the practice. It could be a baseline for partners. And that the practice does not get involved with a potential piece of work if it's below a certain price. And the partners do not get involved in a potential piece of work if it's below a certain price. Now that number is completely up to you and is arbitrary. So you might say, okay, our average fee on listening to this podcast today, Martin, is 5,000 pounds. We don't wanna drop below that, therefore new rule. If it's below 5,000 pounds, the partners don't get involved. And if it's below 3,000 pounds, dollars, euros, 
the firm doesn't get involved. So you don't mean average fee, because if average is 5,000, there will be some below and some above that. You mean a, a, a threshold below which we will not go? I actually mean both, because an average of five suggests that you don't want anything lower than that, even though, because you've already got stuff that's lower than that. So we don't, if the average is five, then we want something that's average or better to improve the practice. We don't want to go below the average. That will bring us down on average. We want to move the average up. Exactly right. So what I want you to do is to come together as consensus. Now, this gets into political fighting, guys, because you'll have some of your partners who'll go, oh, I couldn't possibly charge this much. You know how we always do that aching, aging voice whenever we talk about objections? We characterize the accountant as being typically a public schoolboy from the 1960s. Oh, I couldn't possibly model. You know, all BBC, plumbing the mouth type. It's because it, that's, that's the sound of objection. That's the sound of fear and conservatism. That's the sound of old school traditions. That's the sound of old, okay? Not new. And guess what? Your future's in the new, not in the old. So on this basis, we want you to establish a bottom line. It has to be done by consensus. And in a partnership, hopefully you've got a situation where majority carries, not unanimity carries. And so you do only need to get a, a consensus of a majority on board. But ultimately, that number doesn't matter. What matters is that you actually have the policy. And then in future, when a partner breaks it for an old family friend, it doesn't have to become personal. You don't have to say to them, you can't bring this in. You say, the law of this practice says you can't bring this in. And I have actually implemented this in a few firms. And I know that partners continue to break the rules. And so practices come back to me and say, well, Martin, we did what you said. We established a bottom line and we put a practice policy in place. And we still have partners doing it. So what now? And I said, now you write it in the bylaws of the, uh, the Articles of Association with the, of the partners or the partnership agreement that there's a consequence for doing that, a financial consequence. And if they insist on bringing in low-value work and they cannot justify any possible uh, way in which that client becomes the average fee or better in the first year, then they pay the difference. And is there a sense, Martin, where the partners bring in the lower value work and expect people lower down the food chain, if you like, to carry out that work so they justify it that way? Yeah, they can. And, and that's why there's got to be a senior manager policy as well. So let's let's stick with this five. It could be 10 in your firm. It could be something else. Let's say it's five and the partner brings in something at two and a half. Now, if you've got a senior manager policy that says the firm will look at two and a halves, but it won't be a partner that carries it out. It won't be a partner that deals with the client. So be it. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. But it is not okay for the partner to deliver that work. So if you are ever gonna get your prices up, you have to get your average up. If you get your average up, you have to win clients that are paying you more than is the norm, okay? That's absolute basic mathematics. Therefore, we cannot justify the continuation of small time work because you know, it's, it, it, it's gonna grow into something big, okay? So you have to put policy in place. And if you just simply say, this is what we're doing, you will incur partner politics. So don't make it you, don't make it personal, make it policy. Practice policy, uh, partnership agreements, and get serious about the future of your firm retaining and increasing profitability for both reinvestment and withdrawal purposes. That's fantastic. And the final note on this, Martin, is that when you're in the middle of a price negotiation, it is very emotional, isn't it? It's psychological. And if you are going to waver, it's because you've not got something hard line in place, something in writing. You've got nothing to lean into to hold your situation, to hold your price. That, that's true. And, and I can even liken this onto my own career. 
from a speaking perspective, because I was a professional paid speaker from 2010 to 2020. Uh, and guess what? My fees in 2020 were not the same as my fees in 2010. And guess what? It wasn't just an inflationary increase either. The average speaking fee that I could quote somebody who wanted me to come and speak had to get higher by being able to charge more. So I had to add value, justify that my new price and my new price became my average that I could take to the next buyer. Only by doing that do we build value in an organization. That's fantastic. So you accounting practitioners listening here, take this on board. We've given you the challenges. Now we're giving you the solutions and the onus is on you to do something with this, to be a strong voice in your firm, to bring this to the agenda at meetings, to get buy-in from your partners who are supposed to be setting culture and on the back of that selling, setting policies and procedures. That's the only way we affect change and roll that through the firm. Thank you, Martin. That's been excellent. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.